You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. This is a new series of podcasts that we're doing for you now. It's a complete reading of the book Eureka by the Christadelphian John Thomas. This series is going to be read for you by our friend John Clark, who attends the Rugby Ecclesia here in the UK. We aim to release one chapter a day until we cover the whole of the series. Hope you enjoy it. Please let us know what you think. God bless. Eureka, an exposition of the apocalypse, in harmony with the things of the kingdom of the deity and the name of Jesus anointed, by John Thomas. Volume 1. Preface. The most celebrated commentary upon the remarkable prophecy transmitted from unapproachable light, now commonly known as the Apocalypse, is that of the Hore Apocalyptice by the Reverend E. B. Eliot, A.M., late vicar of Tuxford and fellow of Trinity College, Cambridge, England. It consists of four volumes octavo, containing altogether exclusive of the index, 2,415 pages. The second chapter of the first volume is devoted to what he terms the primary apostolic vision, or the things set forth in the first three chapters of the prophecy, and styled by the Spirit, the things which are. Of these, he says, it is not my purpose to enter at all fully into the particulars of this primary vision, and of the epistles therein dictated by the Lord Jesus to the seven churches of Asia. The subject is one rather for the minister or the theologian than the prophetic expositor, and of matter sufficient in itself to constitute a volume. Hence, to this primary vision, this learned divine has devoted only six pages, and to what he calls the opening vision of the fourth and fifth chapters, about thirteen pages. But Mr. Eliot errs in supposing that the primary vision does not come within the scope of the prophetic expositor. The distinction he makes between a minister, theologian, and prophetic expositor in relation to the interpreter of the Apocalypse is artificial and unscriptural. No such distinction can be admitted. The book has its beginning in theology, and requires to be theologically interpreted throughout, and the expositor who cannot exhibit the meaning of the primary vision and the epistles, and does not make them the basis of his exposition of what remains, or the things which shall be after these, is incompetent to a correct explanation of the parts of this wonderful book which have become historical. Mr. Eliot, however, is correct in saying that 
The subject is of matter sufficient in itself to constitute a volume. I have verified this in the production of the volume now in the reader's possession. I commenced it about four winters since, and after many interruptions and much other writing to compose, besides frequent and extensive journeys, have been able to complete it. It is larger than at first proposed, a little over 300 pages having been estimated as its fullest extent. But instead of being limited to this, it has increased to about 470, which, it is presumed, will not be objected to by the reader. It was originally intended to comprise an exposition of the first four chapters in this volume, but it has been deemed a better division of the work to begin the second volume with the interpretation of the fourth chapter, inasmuch as it is the consummation of the full and entire development of the seals which begin to be opened in the sixth chapter. It ought, therefore, not to be separated from the volume of their interpretation. The deficiency of this chapter in the first volume has been offset by a summary of the things taught in the Prophets, which occupies 45 pages of the work. I did not intend to give this originally, but have been induced to do so from the consideration of the universal ignorance prevailing of the prophetic writings. It seemed to me that unless I did this, my interpretation would not be appreciated, seeing that the Apocalypse is the Old Testament prophecies symbolographically represented upon New Testament principles. The Apocalypse has now been before the world and in the hands of the servants of the deity for upwards of 1760 years. Ignatius, one of the overseers of the Christian society in Antioch, nearly 30 years contemporary with the Apostle John, and who suffered death for the faith, in writing to the brethren in Rome, at the end of his letter quotes the words, En hupomone Jesu Christu, in the patient waiting of Jesus anointed, which occur in Apocalypse 1 verse 9, and in that precise form only there in all the New Testament showing that Ignatius was acquainted with the book, and that consequently its origin was anterior to his martyrdom, A.D. 107. Polycarp was also contemporary with John, and Irenaeus, a presbyter of the Ecclesia at Lyon in France, had often listened to Polycarp's expositions of the word. This same Irenaeus often speaks of the Apocalypse in his writings, and quotes from it also. Thus, in speaking of the name and number of the beast of the Apocalypse, he says that, had this been a matter then to be known, it would have been disclosed by him who saw the Apocalypse. For it was seen no very long time ago, but almost in our age, toward the end of the reign of Domitian, that is, about AD 96. Irenaeus wrote this in or before AD 180. But though this remarkable prophecy has been so long extant, no scriptural, logical, and consistent exposition of it has any existence in the world. The servants of the deity, for whose information and use it was revealed, have doubtless understood its teaching. 
they would not search for the things it represents in kingdoms beyond the skies, for they have been well aware in all ages that it relates to things to be transacted upon the earth, and in that region of it subject to the dominion of Daniel's four beasts. They could not, however, demonstrate it historically, of course, except as its predictions were gradually developed. But of their intelligence in the matter we have no means of judging, inasmuch as no writings of a reliable character have reached us. The learned, however, have frequently presented society with the result of their apocalyptic lucubrations, but with the general result of discrediting the prophecy, and of causing men to deny its genuineness and apostolical origin. The learned, by which is meant the wise and prudent, skilled in dead languages, heathen mythology, and the theologies of Rome, Wittenberg, and Geneva, with all this ammunition, have found the apocalypse too hard for them. The riper their scholarship, the darker is the apocalypse to the eyes of their understanding. It is of necessity a sealed book to them, and was never written with the expectation that their learning would enable them to read it. It is above their comprehension, because, with all their law, they are not learned in the truth as it is in Jesus. It is as true of the Apocalypse as of the book of Daniel, that the wicked shall not understand. And they are the wicked who, how pious soever they may be, are yet, when weighed in the scales of divine truth, found wanting. However loaded down with the learned lumber of the natural man, they are light weights compared with one of the poor, unlettered servants of the deity, who are all taught of God. These are the wise, or the instructed, of whom it is written, The wise shall understand. The spiritual guides of the people, though learned and righteous overmuch, are not the wise. They cannot, therefore, by any possibility, expound Daniel and the Apocalypse. And this is measurably evinced by the fact that but few of them venture upon their exposition, and that those of them who have, have signally and miserably failed. The Apocalypse is the things concerning the kingdom of the deity and the name of Jesus anointed, with the times and seasons symbolically and dramatically exhibited. In other words, the mystery of the deity, as he hath declared the glad tidings to his servants the prophets. Chapter 10, verse 7. This gospel must, therefore, be understood as an indispensable prerequisite to the true and correct exposition of the book. The people's spiritual guides do not understand this gospel, and therefore the apocalypse is hid from their eyes. This is the grand secret of the failure of all their attempts at interpretation. Their speculations wander and are lost in the labyrinths of the unknown. While the apocalypse treats of the kingdom and glory covenanted to Abraham, David and their seed, to which the saints are invited in the gospel, and of their present and future relations to the nations and governments upon earth.
the speculations of the schools, have nothing to do with the mystery of the deity prophetically revealed. How is it possible, then, that men indoctrinated with their traditions can expound it? Their efforts, some of which have been exceedingly laboured, have all hitherto, must and will ever, terminate in failure. With these convictions, an exposition of the Apocalypse was, in my estimation at least, still a desideratum. It was indicated by sign to the servants of the deity, and as the apostasy of which it treats has developed into the maturity of the things which are, interpretation of the symbols and their descriptive writings is required to enable those who are unskilful in the word and the history of the past and present to understand. I believe that this volume, as far as it goes, will accomplish this, and enable the reader to discern the true character of his surroundings, and to prepare himself for the appearing of Christ, who is to come upon a heedless, blind, and self-sufficient generation, as a thief in the night. I have named this exposition Eureka. I have done this in conformity with the examples presented in the Bible, where several of the books of which it is composed are designated by Greek names, expressive of some relevant characteristic, such as Genesis, or Birth, Exodus, or Departure, Deuteronomy, or Second Law, Ecclesiastes, or Preacher, and so forth. It is convenient to designate a book by a single word or phrase. It is a substitute for the whole title, which, if long, is inconvenient to remember, and repeats when reference is made to the book. But I have chosen the word Eureka, without the aspirate, as expressive of a fact which, I think, the reader will be able to verify. It is the word shouted forth by Archimedes while running through the streets of Syracuse upon his discovery of the hydrostatic principle, by the which he could detect the imposition practised upon Hiero II, by the goldsmith who fabricated his crown. It is the perfect tense of the verb Eureko, and signifies, I have found. If the reader inquire of me, what? I answer, an exposition of the Apocalypse, in harmony with the things of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus anointed, which completes the title. In conclusion, then, we commend this volume to the candid attention of the reader, in hope that it may aid him in the comprehension of a subject at once so important, so difficult, and so controverted. Blessed is he that knows accurately, and they who give heed to the words of the prophecy, and observe narrowly the things which have been written in it, for the time is near. Revelation 1 verse 3.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you.